This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer. Well, the Yankees have the night off. The Mets are trying to hold on for Jacob DeGrom. And has Atlanta met their match in the NBA? Let's talk about it. 1-800-919-3776. Special edition of ESPN New York Tonight on the Friday night. Along with Gordon Damer, I'm Larry Hardesty. Also, until midnight... The Fine Line with Joe Fine will take over then. And special thanks also along with us tonight, Brian DeBrain and JP. Hey, Gordon, what's happening? Larry, it's a nice, easy night at the Damer household. I don't have to watch the Yankees struggle to score runs. I don't have to watch the Yankees blowing leads. I can just kind of sit back and enjoy sports for a change. So it's nice. Well, I'm going to ruin that for you, Gordon. You, oh, how? I'm going to Somebody ruin get that hurt? for you. Uh-oh. No, uh, no, no, no. Uh, I heard you today. Yeah. Doing a brilliant job on your updates. Uh-huh. And you were talking about Aaron Boone. Yeah. And you were talking about Giancarlo Stanton. And yeah. I thought we were talking about them tonight, too. No. Yes. Why are we going to talk? Why, do we have to talk about them tonight? <laughs> Can we have a night off? I need like a palate cleanser. You ever go to like a really nice restaurant? They give you like a palate cleanser in between? Yes. Yes. I need a palate cleanser from the Yankees in the worst way. Oh, my God. I feel like the roof of my mouth has been burned on, like, uh, microwaved pizza or something like that, you know? And Are those pizza rolls when they first come out and you know they're uh-huh. going to be too hot and you put one in your mouth anyway? Yes. That's, yes. that's been the Yankees, so I definitely need a palate cleanser from that. But if we, if we have to go down that road, well, I suppose it, we'll go down that road. Well, it's, it's not too bad. It's not too bad. It, it's going to be a, a light road for you. Well, look, uh, this is, uh, I mean, we should talk about Stanton tonight because he's doing the same thing tonight he's going to be doing this weekend, so may as well, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but before we get to that, Gordon, so I'm going back and forth. I'm, I'm, in, I'm real interested in this Atlanta Sixer game. Okay. But obviously, my focus is on Jacob DeGrom. Obviously. Obviously. And once again, he did brilliantly. I mean, there's nothing else he could do, Gordon. He... <laughs> He held San Diego scoreless and drove in two runs on his own. There's nothing else he could do. And so now I'm sitting here sweating as uh, Diaz is on the mound trying to hold on to a 3-2 lead for the Mets. So I'm just I'm – just, a little uneasy with this going on. I, I understand that. And obviously the new – you know, as great as it is to see the fans back at City Field and what a perfect way to – you know, really get the, I don't know if it's a, it's not a full house, but it's a, it's a huge step forward in whatever the total audience is there on a night where Jacob deGrom is absolutely dealing. It just felt fitting that it kind of feels like things are, are taking that next really big step forward. It's almost like when the Knicks opened up the playoffs mm-hmm. and all of a sudden there was a pretty much full building. Yes. That's what it felt like tonight at City Field. deGrom on the mound, absolutely dealing and the fans absolutely locked in on every pitch. His ERA dropped, Gordon. Zero. It's almost impossible, right? Yeah, it's almost impossible to do at this point. It's it's he he is. Uh, I said it last night. You know, I, I went to bed and thought about it a little bit more, and I, I feel more confident. Jacob Degrom is doing to pitching right now what Barry Bonds did to hitting mm-hmm. in that those four years where he won the MVP. Now, yes. you know, I know the yes. Bonds name is tainted because of how he got there. I'm not making any connection to that, obviously. Um, but just in terms of just sheer dominance, this is a guy who's won two Cy Youngs and has taken another step forward mm-hmm. where even those years are not nearly as good as this year has been. It's crazy. And what was so funny was listening to uh, 
Gary Cohen say say on the air and his fastball's down the tick. <laughs> it was he didn't have the hundred mile an hour when he had a couple of ninety nines. So I mean, once again, you look at his numbers: six innings, one hit, ten strikeouts. I mean, the word is dominant, as you said. He's he's yeah. just been dominant, and he's unhittable at this point. And then to come up, Gordon from the left hand side, because you know he's a lefty batter, mm-hmm. and then to drive in two runs because he knows <laughs> I'm not going to get a lot of run support. That's normally what happens with when I pitch. Well, he has now driven in more runs than he has allowed this year. It's crazy. He's driven in five runs. He's allowed four runs. But, of course, all, not all good things can just be good things, right? Yep. Because yep. then the sixth inning, he leaves the game. You're thinking to yourself, well, it's only a 3 nothing game. I think he only threw 80 pitches. That's right. Why is he leaving the game? Mm. And then we get the news about the, uh, what is it? Tendinitis where? The right lat? What's yeah, it? The lat this time. Lat again. Yeah. Is it the lat? I think it is. I you know, the Mets are the Mets are good. They teach me more about my body than anything than WebMD ever could because they. I mean, the the list of ailments and the spe- you know how specific they are. Um, I find out more and more. I got to find the exact term for what it is, but you know they were talking about it on the broadcast, and they were saying that it's the thing that like kind of connects your your elbow or something like that. And obviously, I don't know what connects to your elbow, but I would assume it's pretty it's pretty important. It's pretty important. And once again, Gordon, you look and you say, is, is this going to be the thing that's going to be the asterisk to him, right? Is, is his availability going to be something that somewhere down the line, uh, is, he, is he going to be ready if this team is going to be able to do something in the postseason? If they, are, if they continue to play the way they are and make it to the postseason, is he going to be available? And that's a major concern right now because he keeps he just keeps having these nagging nagging injuries. Yeah, right flexor tendonitis is what um, the Mets are, are, are calling it. So I, I don't know what the next step is. I, I don't know if it's IL. I don't know if it's just rest. I'm assuming he's going to get some tests and he is going to miss a start or two, um, which is, is disappointing for a guy mm-hmm. who's already dealt with a couple of things so far this year. So... Uh, you just kind of, you got to kind of hold your breath and hope that, you know, we, we've been talking about how well the Mets have been able to overcome these injuries, guys you've never heard of, guys that chip in, all these type of things, while everybody else in the division has not really picked it up as of yet. Losing DeGrom obviously would be a whole nother level. You can't afford to lose him for, for any length of time, and you just hope that it's not going to be very long that he is out, if it's at all and that he is back and is able to finally get past whatever uh, you know injury this now is going to be. For me, I say put him on the IL. I, I think you almost have to learn your lesson from the last time, right? Like the yeah. last time with the, with the lat, they didn't. They just rested him, didn't want to put him on the, the IL, and then he came back and then he ended up on the IL. So I think this time, even though it's a different thing and maybe the treatment for this area is different than the lat, uh, I think that you have to play it safe when you're when you're talking about somebody who in on June what is it twelfth eleventh whatever it is you know yeah, are, are the chance are of MVP MVP you can't yeah. af- no team can afford to lose their MVP so I would think that you have to play it cautiously and you know as safe as possible and yeah I would think that an IL trip would be the next thing for Jacob Degrom I mean for me I say lock him down Gordon what, what there's no need to pressure him. There's no need to put extra pressure. There's no need to force him so that he can get hurt again. I mean, look, I, I get it. And sometimes I know you want to talk to the athlete and he gets a chance to weigh in on his body and should. Gordon, he should have a say. 
But in this case, you have to save athletes from themselves because they'll want to come out. They'll want to come Absolutely. out. They'll want to come back early. They want to come in the game when they shouldn't come in the game. Oh, no, I can't risk any further injury. No, this is – when you start talking about flexor muscles and, and stuff, that that's, that's shoulder area, okay? And shoulder area, Gordon, is very important to a pitcher. So I'm ready to just sit him down if I have to. I remember to sit him, put him – for me, I say IL him, and then when he comes off the IL, don't rush him back. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think, it, you know, again, you have to protect him from himself and you have to almost take it out of his hands so that it's not uh, you don't want him to be talking his way back in there and getting burned again. You've already been burned once and you kind of got a little bit fortunate that it wasn't something far more significant that required a, a lot more time. Mm-hmm. So now that this is a second thing, a different thing, uh, I think you definitely have to to play it cautiously and, and you know that would have to be the move to kind of take it out of his hands so that as, as agreeable as a guy as he is, he can't force his way back in there where he says, Oh no, you know, I think I'm, I think it's okay. You know, it went away. You know what? Let's play it safe. We, we have a lot of baseball left and you need Jacob DeGrom for as many of those starts as possible. Edwin Diaz with the uh, save. So nice job from him. Locked a couple it of down. Strikeouts, locked it down. So whew. Mets win the game. And now, uh, you know, they, once again, Gordon, just stack up the wins one at a time, stack them up. And once again, against a very good San Diego team. And when you talk about comparable pitching, and I know a couple of folks uh, over the past couple of weeks, Gordon, have been saying, well, you know, let's see how the Mets do against the Dodgers and whatnat. This mm-hmm. is this is no, a close tune up to the Dodgers. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. This is this is about as good as you can get in the National League. I mean. Uh, The Padres have been very, very good all season long. They're a talented team, high expectations this year. Again, a lot of baseball left to be played, but they are expected to challenge the Dodgers. So no, these are, I mean, these are, these are big wins. These are, there's not many teams that you're going to be able to go up against that uh, you're going to be able to say are are better than the Padres. So I did kind of wonder though, you know, when DeGrom comes out and, and the Padres just looked completely overmatched. And then anytime you bring someone else in there, it has to feel like the other team must, oh my God, thank God he's out of there, right? Like after facing that, everything else has to take just a a huge step backwards and just make it so much easier for the other team. So as great as six innings of Jacob deGrom is, uh, I think you need him 100% so that he's going even deeper into these games. So um and keeping him healthy is job number one right now. I mean, that's there's nothing more important to the Mets than keeping that guy healthy. And you know what's funny? It's almost like, Gordon, his reputation has made it easier for him in a sense, right? You look at – let's go back to Mike Tyson. And Mike Tyson was knocking people out and knocking people out. So people were really kind of afraid to get into the ring with mm-hmm. him. And there was a number one, one – I always reference this. I remember sitting at ringside. He fought a, a boxer named Alfonso Ratliff. And Gordon, Alfonso Ratliff ran <laughs> from him from the moment the bell rang. He pawed at him. Didn't he throw a punch? He pawed at him moving away and running. And so it's almost like that mindset of, gosh – He's throwing a he's throwing a hundred. He's throwing a hundred and one. And then Gordon, in your preparation and watching him on video, you got to be like, what is there to hit? And so when you talk about Barry Bonds, right, and you understand that during that stretch when he was so dominant, he maybe got one pitch in the at bat to hit, mm-hmm. maybe because he walked all the time. So everybody yeah. was like, he's not hitting the home run off me. So when he got that one hit, that one pitch, he capitalized on it. And so you're looking at what DeGrom has done, and it's just 
in this day and age, and yes, I understand that pitchers could be doing anything with the baseball, and people talk about raising the mound, lowering the mound, moving the mound to the right and the left, backwards. I mean, I haven't heard this much talk since the the, the mound in, in 1968 when Bob Gibson had the 1.12 ERA. Uh, you're looking at what he's been able to do, and Gordon, he's been consistent. You referenced the two Cy Youngs. I mean, if he stays healthy, he's locked in for another one right now. Oh, I mean, it's it's absolutely his to lose, right? I mean, it's almost like uh, now the only issue is is that his numbers are have to almost certainly go up, right? Because mm-hmm. if he ever had a start where he gave up three runs. His numbers are going to all of a sudden jump up because they've yeah. just been so ridiculous. So it's almost impossible for him to keep going out there at this level. But um, no, absolutely. I mean, he he is by far the best pitcher, even in a year where it's the year of the pitcher and there's all these no hitters. There's no question who the number one pitcher is in the game. And it's really, he almost takes up two spots because he's so mm-hmm. far out in front of everybody else. 103 strikeouts. He's walked eight guys. In 64 innings, he struck out 103 guys. His ERA is 0.56. His whip, if if it were at one, that's excellent. It's 0.5, (laughs) 0.53. I mean, there's no other way to say it. He is um, he's absolutely the best pitcher in the game, and it's not even close for number two. So hopefully, this is not going to be a long term thing for him because. that would be a huge blow to this Mets team, which has been a fun team this year, right? Yeah. Exceeding yeah. expectations, finding themselves, overcoming adversity. And uh, you, you want to see that continue. I mean, they might be the only team in town right now that uh, might be, you know, looking towards October. I mean, Gordon, I don't think you could, I don't think he could pitch that way in the video game. <laughs> if you, you did, you'd ha- you know, you have to you have to raise the right. That's like playing on the rookie level, right? Yeah. Like you have to raise it up a little bit. All right, enough with the rookie level of hammering these guys. Like I, my son has gotten me into Call of Duty. Okay, so to, to play Call of Duty, I always put it on the recruit level because I'm so bad. Mm-hmm. But since we've been playing it during the pandemic, I've finally gotten halfway decent. He comes down the other night. He's like, you're still on the recruit level? I said, I like to master it. I like to be – I don't want to move on just yet. I like to be able to take them all out. So, yeah, that he's right now – it's like the teams going up against him are on the rookie level, and he's on, I don't know, all-star, Hall of Fame level. Yeah, I don't know. Hall of whatever fame. the highest is, <laughs> 10, whatever it is, that's epic. what he's on. He's on the epic level. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So, going before we get to the phones, let me ask you this. All right. As we start to look at DeGrom, and I know his season's not finished and his career's not over yet. Mm-hmm. As we start to look at him long-term, where is he going to rank in some of the, in the history of, of pitchers, some of the top pitchers in the game? Is he, is he going to end up top 15, top 10? I mean, you look at the era that we're in, uh, where there's, you know, there's been <laughs> – he, he's pitched through a couple of eras – Gordon, he's pitched through the, the, the juiced ball era. He's pitched through the dead ball era. <laughs> he's pitched through a couple of these eras. I wonder how are we going to evaluate? How will he? we look at him in the history of baseball when this career is over with? Well, if he I continues mean, along this yeah, way. Yeah, I, I mean, if he continues along, I mean, just for myself, he's going to be right. The, you know, if this continues this year, that will be basically a four-year span where he has been, if not the – right there with the best pitchers in baseball. And now he is overtake. you know, I think at one point it was Clayton Kershaw. I think he at some point there overtook him and clearly is on another level. Now, for me, from just myself, when you're talking peak, I don't think anybody tops Pedro. Mm-hmm. 
you know, just at the peak, you know, one start, yeah. one performance. But yeah, I think you're you're talking, you know, just from the guys I've seen: Clemens, mm-hmm. Maddox, Pedro, um, Randy Johnson. When he's on, he's going to mm-hmm. be in that conversation, right? He's got two Cy Youngs. If he, again, it's it's kind of up in the air because he's got sure. this thing now. So, right. but if he comes back and 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 certainly if he pitches anywhere close to this where he is just like lapping the field. Now I don't expect his ERA to stay this low, but if he's putting up an ERA that is significant lower than the the next best guys, you know, the next best guys are two and a half and he's at 1.2 or 1.4 or something like that. I mean, I think that that's the capper there. Now the problem for him career wise, I think, I think it would be tough for him to match up against some of the older guys. Like I was, right. we were talking, I was talking, I think last weekend about Bob Gibson at, mm-hmm. you know, 68. Yeah. He threw like four complete games and of 10 innings. He threw one of 12. In, I mean, it's, you know, the, the innings is just going to be impossible uh, to overcome. And he did come up later in his career, but in terms of the peak, I mean, I don't know how you get any better than what he's doing right now. You know, it's, it's funny, too, because when you have these discussions, Gordon, and, and that's what's so interesting and so much fun, and you have them, and then you do have to, of course, make allowance for the way the game was at the time the person came up and whatnot. And clearly, mm-hmm. I mean, as you mentioned, complete games, innings, uh, nobody had nobody heard the pitch counts <laughs> back then. Right. You know, but you talk about the, as you mentioned, the Gibsons, the Marischels, the Drysdales, the Koufax, those, those, the Jim Palmers, those, Tom Seaver, those type pitchers in that era, it was a different era. So for him to dominate the way he's done in this era and to really, Gordon, aside from injury, to give you seven innings consistently, Mm -hmm. uh, that, that today is a complete game. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to find a list of the guys who have won three Cy Youngs in their career. I mean, that's a very – I know Maddox did because he won, you know, a bunch, and I know Clemens did. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, it's a very, very short list of guys who have won three Cy Youngs. And, yeah. you know, assuming he comes back and, and, and this is not going to be a long-term thing, you'd have to think that if he gets a third one this year – and it wasn't like – you know, it wasn't like last year – he fell off the map. It was just a weird mm-hmm. year, and it just so yeah. happened that you know Bauer just beat him because he had a slightly better year. So you're really talking about a four-year span where he has been largely in that span the best pitcher in baseball. And at this point, it, the the gap is larger now than it was before. <laughs> it's not yeah. like he had one big year and he's kind of living off that. No, it it continues to grow. It continue he continues to get better. So uh, you just have to hope that. This is not going to be a long-term thing. The amazing thing, Gordon, is his velocity just it, it, it improves. Yeah, it's gotten better as he's gotten older, which is crazy. That's not supposed to happen. Yeah, I, I mean, a guy has to make you wonder, right? Is it are the injuries the result of that? Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it yeah. just seems weird that this year, you know, he's throwing he's throwing harder. What was the stat they had the other day on, on uh, DiPietro, Canty, and Rothenberg? Like. Uh, I think it was Cole threw five pitches or something like that at a hundred over a hundred miles an hour in his last start, and, and Degrom has thrown like fifty so far this year, or, or thirty in his last start or something like that. I mean, it was mm-hmm. ridiculous. Yeah, uh, just how much harder he is throwing consistently at this age, and he's been a pretty durable guy. Uh, so it makes you, I don't know, maybe it's just a coincidence, but it feels like there might somehow be some sort of connection that he's, he's starting to deal with more things here injury wise in the year where he's throwing harder than ever before. 
Yeah, and and that's why I told you in spring training. Yeah, easy. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Don't show Some me the hundred like yet. This. Easy. Relax. Roll into it. Ease into it, because the durability is going to be a question, Gordon. And listen, he, he's getting older. Not that he's you know thirty seven, thirty eight, thirty nine, but still, you know, it, it, as a pitcher, even though he came up, you know, later, uh, you just get concerned. You know me because I'm a worry ward as a Met fan. Well, look, I mean, right, but it's not it's not just out of the blue. I mean, there's there's reasons to feel that way, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, um so yeah, I can I can completely uh, understand that. So, um I was just kind of looking at some of the um some of the Cy Young award, you know, Clemens obviously, you know, he he was ridiculous for he such was. a long period of time, but he you know, kind of uh, there's some connections there that, you know, people are obviously going to make and have some questions about. Um, but even before those questions, yeah. he was oh, ridiculous. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he I was mean, ridiculous, and then he kind of had that lull, and then he went, you know, people were saying, uh, the Red Sox are saying, well, he's in the twilight of his career, and then all of a sudden he get, gets to Toronto, and it looks like he's ripping trees out of the ground. Yeah. And you, oh, look, he's right here. He's back. Uh, you know, Jim Palmer's a little bit before my time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're Part talking about birds. Clemens. You're talking yep. Pedro won three. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's in the American League. In the National League, you have Maddox won four. Randy Johnson won five. Wow. You know, but that's – I think that that's the level – oh, I'm sorry, sorry, Pedro won four because he won one in the National League too. So Maddox mm-hmm. won four, and he had four in a row. Uh, and Randy Johnson won four in a row. So um, I, I think that that's – I mean, if he goes out there and it keeps doing what he's doing right now – and Clayton Kershaw has three too. I forgot mm-hmm. him. Yeah. And oh, it's uh, Scherzer. Scherzer has three too. I didn't know that. Yeah, Scherzer I think he three. does. Yeah. 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 Oh, look. I mean, that's still a very, very short list. Um, yeah. But I yeah. think if Degrom gets one here, uh, it's kind of hard not to put him in that category, especially if this year he's just so far out in front of everybody else. Yeah. And and the other thing, as I stopped crowing about him, Gordon, <laughs> the other thing about him is. He's done this, and his win total is not what it should be. No, but you know what? That it just—I'm glad that he. And it was really uh, Felix Hernandez that kind of got people to realize this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the pitcher can't control whether he wins. He can only right. control whether or not he pitches as well as he possibly can. So, uh, and there's so many factors, clearly that are outside of his control on whether or not he wins a game or not. So I'm kind of glad that he's come along, and now no one can kind of question whether or not a win is that important of a stat. There are clearly better stats that give you a better understanding of whether or not a guy pitched well over a game, over a year, over his career than wins and losses. But he's trying because he's trying to bring in his yeah, own right. runs, Gordon. So he's <laughs> right. right. He's thinking, gosh darn it, I'll take care of it myself. you got – you know, it's like a major league where they get enough with you, Joe Boo. I'll do it myself. So that's right. It's Pedro Serrano <laughs> style. Absolutely. Joe Boo had a lot of stuff going on in that locker, too. <laughs> a lot of stuff going on in there. Very bad to drink his rum. Very bad. <laughs> Very bad. Gordon R. Marley Rivera reports that Jacob DeGrom said trainers did several ligament tests and everything checked out well, quoting Jacob. Having dealt with elbow issues, I'm pretty familiar with how that feels. DeGrom also said he hopes to follow his regular routine with extra treatment and start in five days. I say no. (laughs) Start in 10 days. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I mean, you've been down this road already once. I know it's a different injury, but why would you, 
why would you push it, right? Like, I get it. You don't want to, you know, he feels like he's in a groove right now. He doesn't want anything to take away from that. But if he were ever to miss a significant period of time, Toast. I think the overall sense of the team, which has been good because they played so well, would fall off the map a little bit. So, oh, no question. Yeah, I, I think they have to be very careful with this. So it'll be interesting to see. I'm glad that, you know, he doesn't think it's a big deal, but I think that the team also almost has to treat it like it is. Absolutely. There's no question about it. It's June, Gordon. You got plenty right. of time. There's no need to run. It's not like it's September and you're in the middle of a hot pennant race and you're like, okay, we need to bring him back. We're we're we're, we're neck and neck here. We, no, the, you've got time. Let him let him heal. Just, just, just rush to get athletes back. Sometimes it, you know I understand it. <clears throat> Excuse me. I understand it under those conditions, Gordon. But here, you two more, three more months to the season. Yeah. <laughs> Let him rest. I'm, I'm interested to see what uh, the manager says because I understand DeGrom saying, you know, it's no big deal. I want to get back out there. I don't want to miss any time. Have you seen how I'm pitching so far this year? So I get that. But uh, we'll see what the uh, how the team feels about it. Let's go to the phone. Spike is in St. Pete. Spike, you're batting leadoff on ESPN New York tonight. Nice treat to catch my friends on. Uh, I was almost ready to conk out there to watch the end of the game. So DeGrom is snake bit. My guys were always in, in the exact order were uh, Kovac, Gibson, and Marischal. And Marischal never got a fair shake because he, he's, you know, those guys lost so many one nothing and 2 1 games. And their innings pitched, so you, you broach that subject. It's a different uh, metric system uh, that they use now. But he, they can't touch him. I was so happy he pitched well tonight. I didn't want him to give up three runs and four innings and start that crap with the sticky stuff again. I, yeah. It takes away from the brilliance of him. They can't even touch this guy. It's just it's just wonderful to watch him. And I'm sorry he's so you know fragile now that you got to rest him and hope. And I was just hoping Diaz didn't blow it. But the wins don't mean – Gordon, you're right. The wins, it's a different measuring it's not, system. It's not a, yeah, I mean, with bullpens being as important as they are now, and, and there's right. just so many factors that, uh, you know, the win – it was come up with at a time where starting pitchers, that was the only – you know, essentially that was the only pitcher. So maybe it made a little bit more sense then, but not anymore. Yeah, I saw guys when I was a kid like Sutton, and they, you know, whatever, 300 wins and 290 losses. I'm, I'm not exact on that. But then my father would tell me Warren Spahn and Whitey Ford, and, you know, you go back and forth. But I got two basketball comments, and I'm going to catch some sleep because this game, I think your team is going to take care of them. And, and, and Stephen A. Smith, I love him. I love him. But please, not so fast with uh, the kid on uh, Utah. He's going to be brilliant. But, uh, you know, Stockton, look at his games played. Just pull up Stockton's games played on basketball reference. All you see are 82s. That's all you see, except for two seasons. One was a strike short in season, and one was an injury. And Malone was wasn't my guy, but uh, he was terrific. So here, here's what my friend, my my Beaver friend, uh, Larry, CCNY mm-hmm. Gordon. We all went there. Larry, myself, and my buddy who played varsity there. So uh, I told him he has a friend that likes our opinion on hoops, and I told him to back the Nets last night, not the over. But they'll take three and a half points. So, I mean, I've taken credit for them. So I said, let it ride on the Sixers tonight because it looks like a mismatch. And uh, so this kid, um, I just it just piqued my interest knowing you guys were on. This, I don't get the name right here. Furkan Korkmaz. There's a long list 
a short list, but a long list in a lot of ways of Turkish basketball players. I'm going to read them to you real fast, and, and, and I want to hear your take on them. They all have one thing in common. Hito Turkoglu, Ersan Ilasova, Mehmet Okor, infamous Omar Isaac, remember that one, mm-hmm. and uh, Furkan Korkmaz. What did they all do well? Shoot. <laughs> Thank you. Make shots. Yeah, they shot all made shots. Especially and threes. that's what the league is lacking. And uh, I see the kid on Atlanta, guys. Uh, this was uh, this was a guy that was destined for the other team uh, uh, with Bogdanovich. This guy's a good ball player. He is. God, he he's is. a really all-around good ball player. And someone said last night that he's supposed to go to, I forget which team, but and it would have strengthened them. Yeah, right. So, mm-hmm. listen, it's going to come down. I'm, I'm kind of pulling for Utah because uh, I'd love to see this kid, uh, the Mets. I forget that. Donovan Mitchell. That's what happens. Yeah, Donovan Mitchell's father works for the Mets. Mm-hmm. I know as Nick fans, I know we could have drafted him, but it's not like Seth Curry because that was by one. This was by six. So the teams passed on him. He's brilliant. He's a he brilliant all-around player. But could you let him do it for another four or five years before we, as Bill Parcell said, anoint him, you know? It's uh, it's wonderful. But I was wrong last night, and we laughed about it, and I referred three people who heard me last night, and they talked to me. We talk hoops all the time, my guys. And they said they listen to the show. They listen every night you're on. And they said, the guy's got a kick out of it. I said, hey. You can't make up. And I was wrong. I said, bet the, bet, create your own bet and keep it under 180. You would have won at 170. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I still can't get over that game. Sometimes I'm flummoxed, man. I really out of words. You know that. Maybe not accurate all the time, but that game sticks in my craw. And I'm telling you, I'm telling this guy, load up and bet the over next game because that game's going to be 130 to 125. No, it's not going to be one thirty. No, no, no. You, you too, Spike. Gordon, it may be one thirty for for the Nets. It's not going to be one twenty five for Milwaukee. Are, are you not. surprised that is? It seems like there's a lot of people that are are feeling like Milwaukee is now back in the series. Oh, they obviously didn't see the first two games. I mean, I, I look. I understand that. In sports, the, the the recency bias or whatever you want to call it, you know, the last thing you saw has an impact on you more mm-hmm. than maybe the, the previous things. Yeah. I mean, did you watch the game? I mean, they were lucky to win that game. Now, if they go out and win game four, I'll have to admit that they're back in the series. But can we see that first before? You know, I, I was just very surprised by the amount of reaction. It felt like, well, you know, the Bucks now, all of a sudden they got a win. They're back at game four and at home and – Get lost. The Nets are going to – I don't even – I was trying to think today, like, who's the team that's going to give the Nets the toughest challenge the rest of the way? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know, Gordon. It, it, it's, it's, I don't <laughs> know if anybody out. will. Nobody, nobody jumps, jums out. Nobody jumps out, no. Nobody. You know, you would think on paper it should be the Clippers, but they may not even get yeah. there. Uh, you, you, you know, they may not even get there. if you're not there, right? Down 0-2 already and – yeah. I mean, maybe the Sixers. I don't know. Maybe the Sixers. The Sixers should give them more. It should be a more competitive. <laughs> doesn't take much, right? But it should be more competitive series than what we saw so far with Milwaukee. I think with Philly because mm-hmm. they've got shooters. They've got some size. They've got a big man that you really have to account for in Embiid. Uh, mm-hmm. They've got some shooters. They've got uh, Seth Curry who can hit the three. So they've got mm-hmm. they've got some guys that can make the Nets have to spread out offense uh, defensively. So I think they'll do something. Uh, you know what? 
sometimes it's the hot team, Gordon. And listen, if Phoenix gets there the way CP3 is playing, you know, they may have a shot. They may have a shot with Devin Booker. And, you know, once again, you got multiple scores. You got some size in there. You've got, uh, you know, DeAndre Eaton who's playing well. So maybe, Mm -hmm. maybe that would be somebody. But, you know, Gordon, I don't know because, you know, and then. You know, I got to see what the Nets are going to do, right? Uh, you know, we're, we're, I don't know. Is Kyrie going to play all these games? <laughs> you know, that's, yeah. I mean, he didn't play great down the fourth uh, the he stretch did not. Of, the, of, of game three, but I almost feel like that'll lead to, for yeah, but, sure, them pl- coming out more focused in game four and, and just all they had to do was hit some shots and they're up 3 0. So um, I, I look know. at it as an off night, Gordon. It was just an off night for them. Yeah, I, that's what I think. Absolutely. It really was. I mean, you look at Milwaukee. Well, okay. If, if Giannis and and see you look at the points in this misleading, if Giannis was dominant, where he did not say okay let me shoot the three ball, and he just did what he does in the paint area, then maybe I would feel like there could be a ch- that they may have taken some strides to get back in the series. Clearly, they're not going to get back in the series when when he and 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 Middleton have to score close to eighty percent of the points with yeah. no help. I mean, come on. That's that's not going to happen, Gordon. It's not going to happen. No. Yeah. Uh, I think that that game will turn out to be the outlier, but we'll see. I mean, you know, maybe we're, we're waiting for some twists and turns in these playoffs because it doesn't feel like there's been all that many. But, um, may, you know, we'll see. Maybe the Bucks have a surprise up their sleeves, even though they're not wearing any sleeves. Yeah, and, and they will surprise themselves. <laughs> what? They will be the biggest surprise. So Wait a second. We're in this series? What? How did we do that? Yeah, I'm wondering how they did that the way they've looked so far because <laughs> the postseason has not been kind to them, Gordon. They've been a really great regular season team, but they, until and, – and he's a great player. Okay, he's a great player. But until Giannis either gets learns how to hit the three or learn how to hit a jumper from the foul line, they're not going to go anywhere because you just zone him out and you come and he's, he's so dominant from running down the lane and being more physical than anybody else. When you take that away from him, he doesn't have an option and that's what's hurting that team right now. Yeah. And the supporting cast, I know that they kind of remade it and everything else. Yes. It's still, I mean, that's not, that's not like a championship it. level. I mean, take a look at teams that have won titles here, you know, then look at what the bucks have. I mean, yeah, I mean, they're nice players. I don't, you know, yeah. Middleton's a nice player. Yeah. Drew Holiday's a nice player, but they're not exactly what you would say is championship level. They're not big three level. No, no, they're, they're, not. Not. they're no. not big three. They got a big one, and they got a couple of three A's and two A's. Yeah, <laughs> they exactly. don't have a big three. They don't no, have a big three. Don't. Special Friday edition of the show. One eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Also on Twitter at hardest the ESPN at Gordon Damer at ESPN NY ninety eight underscore seven FM. Gordon, before we uh, turn our attention to the Yankees, uh, Jay Blaze NYC tweeted at us. Mm-hmm. Uncle L, Uncle L, he's my Twitter nephew. Okay. Does another Cy Young give Degrom the edge, assuming he doesn't win a chip in the greatest athlete in New York City to never get one over Patrick Henry? Uh, Lundquist, is he already better than Doc was? Gordon, I think he's already better than Doc Gordon. Yeah. Longevity? I mean, yeah. Consistency? Yeah. I mean, it does kind of depend. Like, if you if he is able to finish this year anywhere close to where he is, well, then it's definitely not a question anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, if it were to be the type of thing where he's not 
you know, he completely drops off, even though he's still good. I guess you would say at his peak, maybe Doc was better, but Doc's peak wasn't that long. No. So, yeah, I think you can definitely create the argument that DeGrom, based on, you know, the body of work, and this is now his fourth year where you could make a legitimate argument for him being in that best pitcher on the planet conversation, I think that he very well is better than Doc was. Yeah. And, I mean, Doc, listen, when you talk about dominance, Doc was dominant. Oh, my as God. Well. I mean, yeah, I mean, no. <sighs> It was it was ridiculous. I mean, he was one of those guys where you just your jaw just dropped watching him. Oh, I mean, and the and it was for me, Gordon. It was the curve, more oh, yes, so than even the fastball. Yep, more so than even the fastball. The curve, the the sharp break off the curve was just amazing to the point that hitters started saying, "You know what? I'm not swinging it. I'm, it unless I see fastball, I'm not swinging. I'm not swinging at the curve at all. I'm not swinging at it." And yep. so they they looked at some called third strikes, you know. But he was just, I mean, oh. He was unbelievable. He's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, and I, uh, he did that at 20 years old, too. I know. So, I mean, no. But you look at, uh, I'm just pulling up his stats right here. He pitched 276 innings, which is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. uh, 268 strikeouts in the 276 innings. Oh. So, you know, a little less than one strikeout per inning yeah. where you look at where DeGrom is at. I mean, he's, try he's not going to pitch as many innings. Right. But just inning for inning, I mean, his, his level of dominance that you'd have to say is even higher. And you know what's crazy is for Gooden, as well known as he was, I mean, he was he was right along with Roger Clemens. So Clemens took a lot of spotlight away mm -hmm. from him too. Mm -hmm. I mean, the first year Clemens would struck out twenty. Yeah, you know, so it was like you know you're looking at the battle like who's the best pitcher in baseball? Well, Dwight Gooden, yeah, but you know look look at what Clemens is doing with Boston on the other in the other league over there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I mean he and just in terms well look in terms of hitting. Unfortunately for Degrom, as great as he's been hitting, he's not going to be able to match Otani there. No, that's no. the that's the one thing he cannot. You know, he can't claim that title as the best hitting pitcher right now, or the best hitting pitcher of all time, or any of that stuff. But mm -hmm. uh, in terms of pitching, no, I mean he's he's so far out in front. He's like Usain Bolt. You know, you ever see like Usain <laughs> yeah. Bolt when he's running races and he's crossing yeah. the finish line? And he's like almost like smiling at the camera, like, "Hey, look at me." Uh, mm -hmm. That's Degrom right now. He's so far out in front and everybody else. So, Gordon, I wanted to kind of put not so much focus on the game last night with the Yankees. Please. But, I, but I, I just wanted that. to uh, I, I just wanted to kind of reflect on the positive things they've done of late. And so I was looking at Giancarlo Stanton's comments, mm -hmm. and uh, I wanted him to give what were his takeaways from the series. Remember, the Yankees won the series. Here's what Stanton had to say. Offensively, we got to feed off of this and um, see how we grind it out at bats and and uh, just put pressure uh, on the guys on the mound. So uh, I think we did a great job this series, and we just got to continue that. And good bats are, you know, maybe one when, when somebody gets hot, Giancarlo, other people get hot too. Well, we feed off of each other, so you know, you see a couple guys having good at bats, we see um, what the pitcher's trying to do to them, and you go in there and you do the same. So it's, it's kind of similar and contagious uh, with bad at-bats or um, bad approaches up there. So uh, we just take uh, learn from these games, learn from these at-bats, and um, just continue it. Now, Gordon, they're facing a Philadelphia team that doesn't have a lot of great pitching, okay, and their bullpen is a joke. Yeah. So here's an opportunity where you can put some good bats together, good at-bats together, 
and possibly learn what you did because, to be honest, I think the, the caliber of pitching is going to be very similar to what you just faced in Minnesota. Yeah, that's see, that's the problem is that, you know, I, uh, yeah, there are some glimmers of hope when you take a look at individual guys, not just in the series against the Twins, but, you know, Glaber's been coming around here for a little while. We've talked about Andujar. Um, Urshela had a big home run. So maybe some guys are far, starting to finally, you know, see some light at the end of the tunnel. But again, it was against the Twins, right? So, I mean, the Twins are a really bad team, and you weren't even able to – and it feels like this year with the Yankees, there's been a lot of false starts. Like, they got mm. off to a slow start, and then it seemed like they were starting to come together, and then it fell apart again. Then you thought, all right, we're going to face the Tigers. We'll get things turned around there. You get swept by the Tigers. You have the week against the Rays and, and, and the Red Sox, and you look like you did – so it's just – it's kind of hard to think that all of a sudden all these guys are going to start getting clicking here when this was the perfect opportunity. Go sweep the Twins, and then, yeah, then you can start to think maybe, right? Then you can start to have maybe a little bit of faith, a little bit of hope that things are going to turn around. But if you can't even master the team that you always master, I don't know. It feels, like, it feels more like this, this sunny optimism that the Yankees like to portray – and it's not completely baseless, but it's kind of hard to have any real faith in it when you sit there every night and watch these games. And the Sunday optimism normally is led by their skipper, Aaron Boone. So he was asked, Gordon, why has the team been unable to sustain momentum? Here's what the skipper had to say. I mean, there's been there's definitely been those series where, where we've had a chance to really put it away and we just haven't had that game. You know, this, you know, we got Chappie on the mound with a lead, you know, and it wasn't his night. And, and, and he, that's going to happen uh, over the course of a year. But, you know, I, I try and look at this game that we just played and look at the quality of the bats and some of the offensive momentum guys are starting to build and some of the quality of bats and, and the heaviness of the lineup. We've got to build on that. This is different than, you know, some of those series where we've had a chance to finish off a team and, and just haven't, haven't been able to offense enough Tonight wasn't a case of that. You agree with him? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> You're so down on Boone. I, I would, I would like to. Yeah, I mean, I just, you know, it's just. You're so down I, I on just Boone. Like, I just like people to tell it to me straight. You know what I mean? I just want people to tell he it to me straight. Gordon. He and can't. I know. That's why, I, that's why anything What's that he tells do? me, I'm not going to believe. And I don't understand how guys in the locker room – Maybe he's not saying the same things to them that he's no, saying he to the isn't. public, but no. it's like I don't know how anybody can kind of take him seriously because it's always this, well, you know, I see these things, I see good signs, and, and I get it. In the past, that has kind of worked, um, but uh, I, don't, I can't. <laughs> you're right. You're, 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 uh, you're yanked out. <laughs> well, look, I'm just it, it's very hard to watch some of the different things as uh, Jokic now goes down and is holding yeah, his ankle. I see that. That's, that's not, not good. No. <laughs> that's the scratch the uh, nuggets off the list of contenders right. for the Nets, right? That's um, right. it's just very hard to hear the same things time and time again and you mm -hmm. want to believe, you know? Like I want him to be right. I hope yeah. he has the finger on the pulse of the team, but it it just after a while it's like it's almost like the opposite of the sky is falling. It's kind of hard to take it seriously. Mm -hmm. it, it's kind of hard to take it seriously when you're telling me all the time about all these great signs and we got guys in the lineup that are hitting barely 200. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's tough. Uh, but unfortunately, I remember what Willie Randolph said at a press conference 
um, some time ago when he was the manager of the Mets. And he said it's a thin line for skippers uh, because you want to be honest with your club, but Mm -hmm. your club, the players are watching you to see how you're handling things. And if you panic, they will panic. So while they look to the managers being a steadying force, Gordon, which I understand, uh, and once again, that's what they're looking to what the manager says to the media and to the public. Because obviously there's a different relationship and different conversation that's in that clubhouse. There's no question about that. Yeah. But it, it's how it's how he's presented what he's saying to the media. And listen, players watch and players listen. And if they don't, they got family members who does, <laughs> who tell mm-hmm. them everything that the manager's saying. So not to defend Boone, but it's it, it's a thin line for him to walk A and B, considering how he got the job, he's right. not treading that line. No. Yep. Especially yep. in his last year, <laughs> trying no, to get another right. contract. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I get it. I understand where he's coming from, but it's just, as, as a fan, you, you'd like just once for somebody – to kind of give it, give it to me straight, Doc. You know, let's not, yeah. let's not beat around the bush, and let's. Yeah. It just feels like I've heard a lot of this stuff before, and it has not exactly led to anything long term. Now, look, they got plenty of time; they have the ability to turn it around. And at this point, you know, we're talking about the Twins, we're talking about the Phillies. To, to me, at this point, it's more about the Yankees becoming the Yankees True. again. So yeah. they hit some home runs in Minnesota. If that's not just a mirage because of the Twins' awful pitching, well, go to Philadelphia and hit some more. Mm-hmm. Simple as that. It's, it's not. It's not hard to find what the Yankees are missing. It's been largely the home run. It's largely been power. So, Glaber's hitting well. Stanton is not going to play, but <laughs> when, he's hitting well. But, right, he'll be he's right there. Well, and and when he comes in for his one at bat, cold off the bench and strikes out. I mean, maybe he'll have to do something different there. Sanchez has has kind of stabilized his season a little bit, and Duhar's playing better. So. If you could ever get Clint Frazier to maybe mix in a base hit or two here or there, that might be a, a nice sign. And, and LeBayhew to hit with a little bit more power. And, you know, there's, there's plenty of areas to fix. Hey, Gordon, before we get to the calls again, uh, did you see what the uh, acting GM of the Mets, Zach Scott, had to say today? Uh, I don't think I did. Out of the no kidding, he oh, really yeah, said that? about Alonzo, right? Yeah. Yes, I did see that. Yep. He refuted a New York star, New York Mets first baseman Peter Alonzo's charge that Major League Baseball has been manipulating baseballs to her potential free agent, saying the changes to the ball would, quote, have no influence on how payers, players are valued or paid. Excuse me? End of quote. You got to be kidding me. No influence? And then oh. further on, he went further on, go ahead and check mm-hmm. this out. <clears throat> quote, this is quoting uh, Scott again. I didn't know Pete was a conspiracy theorist. He said with a laugh, ha, ha, ha. I'll put the laugh in there. Come on, really? And, but then again, what did you expect him to say? Well, look, I, I would say it is a conspiracy theory, right? Because he doesn't have, I don't think, any proof. But as I said last night, in the range of, if you were to create a pyramid where the base are the, the most uh, outlandish ones and uh, the, the, the ones at the tippy, tippy top are the ones that are the most believable, well, saying that baseball manipulates the ball to give themselves a financial edge, that's not exactly saying reptilian overlords or, you know, <laughs> you know, something faked moon landing. I mean, that's not that hard to believe. And, and what not. it really tells you is I bet you a lot of players believe what what 
Pete said and, and all, feel like, yeah, absolutely. So that just kind of shows you the degree of mistrust the two sides have to, for a player to so, throw something out there like that and, and for somebody in management to say, oh, that's ridiculous. Oh, that's crazy. Is it though? I don't know. I don't know that it, I mean, we know that they have manipulated the baseball. The only question is whether they have manipulated the baseball to impact the bottom line uh, in terms of free agents. We know it impacts the bottom line because they wanted home runs to, to bring fans back to the games. They got home runs. All of a sudden they wanted to decrease home runs. Look at that. Home runs are all of a sudden decreased. And as other people have brought up, Rob Dibble brought up, baseball bought the company that makes the baseballs. Yeah. So you don't have to be sitting in your, your grandmother's basement with a tinfoil hat on your head to think that there might be some sort of connection. Here's the bottom line, Gordon. If it doesn't make a difference, why change the baseball? Right. Why change it? If it doesn't make a difference, why are you doing this? There's a reason. Because you want more money. Because right. you want more people in the seats. You want more <laughs> eyes on the TV. Right. It's about money. So if it's about money for you to do this and make the changes, why would we not take it that extra step to think that it's about money when you take it back and change it to keep from sharing the pot? Because we know that the two sides are not exactly you know, going to get the Nobel Peace Prize. And it's not like baseball under Rob Manfred any, ever weighs anything on what's a good long-term decision. No. It's never based on – it's always about what will make us the most money right now. Mm-hmm. So when you operate from that, and there's already a level of mistrust between players and owners anyway, yeah, I don't think it's – I really don't think it was all that outlandish what Alonzo said. I don't either. And as you said – there's a lot of players who agree with him. Lots. Right. right. Lots. So the CBA is up at the end of the year. Oh, boy. And it, do, and it does feel like the whole uh, illegal substances on the ball. I mean, the players have, have kind of said that they, that at least some of them, and I'm sure it's, it's, it's pr- a pretty good number, that this is just being thrown out there now so that the players will start to bicker with themselves and make themselves weak. I mean, the level of di- – I mean, this, forget it. The Hatfields and McCoys were drinking beers on the back porch compared to the, the, the owners and the players when it comes to the CBA. No question about that. Doug's in Long Island. Hey, Doug, you're next on 98.7. Hey, fellas. How we doing? What's going on, Doug? All right, I wanted to talk about Jake, but you guys are spot on. I was talking to my buddy tonight. And, uh, you know, he's talking about how, well, you know, all the fans are back at City Field, how great this is. And I said, I, you know, but look at this thing with, you know, the players and the owners. I mean, it's great that we're, like, happy that it's back. But the reality is, after this season, I mean, it's going to be a long, ugly negotiation. And neither one of them wants to give because we all know they are greedy, the owners. They want everything they can get. And I agree with you guys. I think there's a little something to want to say. We've seen these guys hold these players back for every ounce of leverage and money they can. So they can't say, like, you know, Alonzo's out of his mind. We've seen it. No. I mean, I mean, and just how baseball has operated under Rob Manfred. I mean, they, they, it's never about what's – hey, what's the best long-term play for us here? It's always about what's the best no, in the short term and what, right. can, what can make us the most money – Right this second, how can we grow the pie even bigger, and how can we get the most, the biggest piece of that pie? Yeah, and now the ground with this elbow thing, you know, I'm on pins and needles worrying. I mean, he actually looked, you know, he looked pretty convincing. I, I watched the video. 
But I got to tell you, you know, the bar that this kid has set is so high. It's so astronomically high. And he just goes out there and just finds a way to still make me shake my head. And the crazy thing, through these two ten outings, he's had two or three that he didn't have his good stuff. The Red Sox game, he did not have his good stuff. He fought through it. And the I know that definitely the Arizona game at home, he struggled and didn't have his good stuff. And, and these are five RBIs and four runs given or earned runs given up in ten games. I, I just can't even fathom that. It's unbelievable. No, I mean, it's it's really beyond words. I mean, <laughs> whatever superlatives you want to use, uh, he has certainly warranted it. And, you know, he's going to another level as Steve Cohen took over. And for a team, you know, the Mets do not – I mean, Tom Seaver is their history, mm-hmm. and he was not, you know, a career Met. David Wright, you know, was not a, like one of those guys at that level. You know Steve Cohen is going to do whatever it takes – this guy is going to go down as that guy, that career met. And, you know, for a guy who suffered for a long time, I miss Siva, and it's a breath of fresh air to see this team, you know, get this right. And, and even all the moves, the minor moves they made were bringing guys in here that have contributed to this team. And, you know, year one of Cohen, and hopefully this is the thing of, you know, what's to come, it's, it's really refreshing. It is. It is, Doug. And thanks for the phone call, my friend. It, it is. It, it's nice to see. You know, Gordon, for, for Met fans, it's nice to have one of the – clearly it would be for any team. But for, for Met fans who have struggled under the, the previous administration and all the worries and, and bad judgments and stuff they did. And, you know, they didn't spend money when they did. They didn't spend it on the right players and things just didn't work out for them. But to have a guy dominate like Jacob DeGrom has done so for a franchise that's, you know, really not had a lot of success over their history, it, it feels great. There's a feeling of pride there that you have somebody that everybody it, everybody respects and will, will say to you, listen, I don't like your team, but mm-hmm. I'll tell you this, you got the best pitcher in baseball. I take my hat off to you. Yeah, and he's one of your own, right? He yeah, didn't go out exactly. and just buy. And look, I love Garrett Cole. I'm I'm so happy the Yankees and and he has been a bargain even for what you're spending on him. He has been a bargain for the Yankees uh, with with how he has pitched so far, uh, both last year and this year. But I mean, he's not he's not a Yankee in that he came up with the organization. So there is something extra when you're one of those guys. And Degrom is absolutely one of those guys for the Mets. He's an all-time Met. He you cannot allow him to pitch for another organization ever. He has to start as a Met, end as a Met, and there's no other questions about it. And, of course, we know about the potential opt-out after the 2022 season, and so we're just going to ignore that because, Gordon, I'm not sure if there's going to be a 2022 season. Right. I mean, (laughs) if the last year and a half has taught us anything, the future is a figment of your imagination. It exists only in your head. The only thing that that has ever existed is right now and just live in the now. That's it. So right now I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it, and and I know that uh, Mark from Newark was talking about 2015, and uh, I tell you, uh, you know that that World Series. I think I'm I think they're a little better defensively than they were in 2015, <laughs> Gordon. Yeah, uh, you know because that was a that was a tough series. That World Series was tough in 2015 because defensively they struggled. But you know, listen, I'm I, it's early, so I'm just. 
I'm just enjoying it, Gordon. One I, I was wait. I was waiting for the guy who's called us about uh, Blake Griffin needing to step up. I, I was waiting for him to say, you know, uh, Degrom, he's got to start getting the curveball in there a little bit more. He's got to rely on the curveball a little bit more. Just, uh, just re- sit back, relax. You, you've never seen anything like this with Degrom, and, and just enjoy it and uh, hope that in five days he's back out there again. Gordon. You are. You should be so successful at promo code Gordon. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it's unbelievable because JP from Brooklyn is next to give us oh, his daily that. Blake Griffin. I don't even have the call screen breakdown. up. You My don't. iPad is dead. I didn't even open it up tonight. I figured let, right. let Larry guide us. That's it. And here he is, JP, Coach JP, on the pick and roll involving Blake Griffin. Hey, Coach. <laughs> Thanks for having me, fellas. Thanks for having me. Uh, um, look, you know we are at um, we are in a beautiful situation. Whereas it's a beautiful it's beautiful to be alive right now. You know we're going to see a championship in Brooklyn, but we have to do a little things. Okay, now Blake, look, those guys are out there. They are very active. They active. You know, Bruce, you know, Bruce Brown shot 17. He took 17 shots. You know, he, Joe, he took 11 should shots. should have took 16. <laughs> I was just thinking the same. You know, now look, look, Blake Griffin only took five shots. This is a five-time All-Star. And you know what? I know what he was doing. I what want him doing? doing the picks. I need him doing all of the picks for uh, uh, KD or Kyrie. Pick and roll. No pick and pop. We want you to pick, roll. That's so you don't want pick. him to shoot. You don't want him to shoot at all. You know, we don't need that. We don't need that. We are on the road. We are we are on the road. That type of game do not translate when you're on the road. When all right, you're on but the coach, road, let me ask you this. You to... I hear what you're saying, Coach, but let me ask you this. If, if yeah. he's not going to pick and pop sometimes – Shouldn't and I and I know you have a lot of I know Budenholz is oh, okay. not exactly been coach on, of the year, but no. but wouldn't you now disregard the pick and just challenge the pick and roll and stop and and stop him from just disregard the pick and roll? What I'm trying to say is he got he has to be more active. He has to get take he has to he has to be more active, take more chances. He has to take more shots. How could Bruce? How could how could Bruce Brown? take 17 shots well uh, part of the reason part of the reason shots. coach here's part of the reason he did that coach and thanks for the phone call i'm telling you because the boy little pick he was he no was, it wasn't that i'll tell you it. what it was it was because he was it was because the bucks didn't make the adjustment and he was guarded by brooke lopez and brooke lopez can't card him that's why he got so many shots he got those shots because brooke lopez was on him and he and he and he did the same move. He flipped it in the lane, Gordon, all night. He just flipped it in the lane, flipped it up, bang, flipped it up, bang. I'm like, why? Why is he on him? <laughs> Can't, why are you allowing that switch? <laughs> What's wrong with you? What, is it somebody coaching this team? I even knew that he couldn't defend him. And then and then Gordon, they wouldn't reverse it on the other end. Okay, if he's going to defend, all right, post him up. Well, no, of course not. They they couldn't find anybody. They couldn't find Brooke Lopez, who's seven feet. They couldn't find him to post him up in the lane over somebody to get some off. It's just, I 
I don't know how Milwaukee won that game. Was I just not, don't it know. It's not exactly a coaching clinic, right? No. Budenholzer, no. I think, has one coach of the year at some point. He might have to give. He might have to give the award back. I. He, after that, it, it was bad. Mm. It was bad, Gordon. This is ESPN New York tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on ninety-eight point seven ESPN.